untamed, exploring the Texas coast. From Sabine to South Padre, we plan and execute the most exciting and authentic coastal experiences Texas has to offer, including fishing, paddling, surfing, and camping. Brought to you by Untamed Out. Are you ready to find schooling redfish in the marsh and fat trout in the bay? As the temps continue dropping, Fish Camp Rockport is the best place on the Texas coast to experience both of those things. Come stay with us and enjoy the fall weather where you can bring all your gear and spend time with friends and family. Go to untamedout.com and select Featured Properties. There you can search calendar availability, browse pictures, and have a hassle-free booking experience. Our custom containers feature the luxuries of home without compromising the wild of our coastal Texas nature. Fish Camp Rockport is the perfect base camp for any adventure. Again, go to www.untamedout.com to book your stay today. If you'd like to be a partner with us and become a sponsor of Untamed Out Exploring the Texas Coast podcast, send us an email at info at with the subject line sponsor and either Captain Travis or myself will get back in touch with you about future opportunities. And remember, you can listen to this podcast on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, guys, welcome back and thanks for joining us for episode 13. I'm your host, Elliot Barr. And I'm Captain Travis Power of Lone Star Guide. And today we're going to be talking about a recent trip I took to Venice, Louisiana. And uh, what was going to be a trip for yellowfin tuna turned into a two-day inshore trip exploring the Mississippi Delta. Hey, that's, uh, that's not Texas. It is not Texas. Untamed out. Exceeding Texas. The Texas <laughs> International <country>. travels. <laughs> well, international. I don't know, maybe Louisiana is kind of a different place. It's outside of Texas. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll be talking about some of that, but before we get into that, let's hit on a couple topics and untamed current events. The first thing I wanted to talk about was the, fl- the flounder closure. So this usually takes place between October and December. It's also known as the flounder run, right? Um, while flounder action may be the best in the fall, you got to keep that in mind uh, that this fishery is closed, right? Yeah, dude. And, dude, I'll tell you this. The founder know it's closed. Yeah. Like, they are active and, and like, eating lures that they weren't eating, you know, two days before the closure, I swear. Right. But, um, oh, but they're yeah. jumping out of the water. Oh, yeah. Aggressive. Well, well you were out there with me that one day, uh-huh. and they were flying out of the water. Yeah, dude, they're, they're, I mean, it's good, you know, it's good fishing. Catch them, throw them back. Right. So what's the dates that the, the it's closed here in Texas? Uh, well, I think it opens back on the 14th, right? Right. So it's been since November 1st. Yeah. And um, what is it? So why do they close the flounder season? <laughs> are, you trying to get, are you trying to trigger me mm-hmm. to get me started? Yeah. Um, they close the flounder season because flounder fisheries are poorly managed. Yeah. Um, poorly managed because we manage um, gigging and rod and reel the same way. So it's not because they're in here having babies and spawning and we got to leave them alone while they make the babies? It's, it is, no, they spawn offshore, right? They're traveling, you know? Like yeah. The, the flounder, I mean, and I'm not a biologist. I need to learn more about flounder, but yeah, dude, they, no, they, they, they they're heading out to the Gulf, you know, and, and um, 
and on as they're traveling out, mm-hmm. you know, there's definitely some key areas that you can really tune in and go catch a limit of, of flounder, right? You yeah. know what I mean? And uh and my biggest hang up is like rightfully so, you know, like that's that's people have probably had that figured out since forever, you know, mm-hmm. when we when we've been, you know, it's like providing food for people for like, you know, the people that were here, the Kronkawas and everywhere in between. And then people before that, right? But now we're having to close it because the for all the other parts of the year, you can still go out and get your limit every single night with boat and lights and a gig. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's what frustrates me the most, right? And and I'm and I'm selfish because I don't do a lot of flounder gigging, you know, and I like to catch them when they're running. And uh, and it's it's you know it is what it is, I guess. Yeah, I, I I'm happy that we're gonna close it versus just running them into the ground. Yeah, you know, I just I just don't think that it's you know I just don't think it should be done this well, way. Well, and because it's definitely easier. I mean, I never have targeted flounder. I don't proclaim to be a good a good at flounder, catching flounder. I mean, like during the shadow sport tournament. Flounder was one of the fish that you had to catch as part of your total bag, right? And I was like, yeah, if if we catch one, maybe we'll be lucky to catch one, you know. And uh, there's people that know where to find them, know where how to catch them and stuff. But um, I'll tell you what, in Louisiana, and we'll get into this, um, I I caught four flounder. And they're, they've got a closure as well. Their closure it precedes ours a little bit. Um, our guide was telling us that starts October 15th through, through November 30th and the flounder that I caught, they were doormats, dude. They were, and those are the spawners, you know, that's what's spawning. Yeah. I just, you know, it's, and yeah, I don't really go after flounder. Um, but you know, just growing up, even before I was really serious, it's just super serious, but always growing up, it was Seawolf Park there in Galveston, you know, and you mm-hmm. know it's this time of year, and you go out there, and yeah, it could be shoulder to shoulder, and and I'm talking about you know the island around Seawolf Park, and you know you used to be able to drive out there. I don't, I think a lot of that access is closed up. And for our listeners that aren't from the Galveston area, what Seawolf Park is, where? Uh, well, it's by A and M Galveston, but I mean. You know, what, you know, what are we talking about? You know, east side of the island, bay side, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the industrial areas. That's Pelican Island. That's over that Seawolf. Is that Pelican Island? I think so. I think so. You might have to pull it up on a map. But you used to be able to go out and you could park on the road. You, you wouldn't even go. Everybody would say, hey, I was fishing Seawolf. But you're not fishing in Seawolf. You're not fishing off the pier. Granted, you could, but you're normally fishing around the park. You'd park on the road. You'd walk out. You'd. You drive out, and, uh, and and it could be shoulder to shoulder, you know, like like good days in the surf. But I mean, that's when you'd go out there and catch a bunch of flounder, man. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, Pelican well, Island. Okay. Yeah. So that's right. Gotcha. He used to be able to drive um, basically around that whole island, and I, I don't think he can do that all the way up to the top side that Pelican Cut. Uh huh. And if you know, if you know, you could walk out there and get on that cut and walk all around. I mean, it's great wade fishing, great access. I'm 99% sure that they closed all that down. I don't think I've ever been out there. I've never been on Pelican Island or around Texas A&M University really? at Galveston. Yeah, no. Well, that's, we got to go explore some of the coast because I'm not kidding you. If I, 
That's something I took for granted growing up. That yeah. entire hit the hit the satellite view of it. Let's see what it looks like. So yeah, I mean, you used to be able to drive yeah all the way around. There's like the trails and the off road levees. Um, so there's a road that runs. Kind of uh, is that maybe, a road or is that know, just a trail? It, it used to be a trail. Still looks like a trail. Yeah, just a sandy. We'll have to go check it out. Maybe somebody can write into us or email and tell us if it's open or not. But um, and so you're talking about lining up fishing on this side of the island, yeah, or the just north, on the uh, northeast side. Yeah, gotcha. And that, I mean, it looks good because it's it kind of breaks the gap between Galveston and Bolivar, right? Yeah, you think about the flounder run, the flounder uh-huh. running. Out the jetties to go spawn, yeah, and you know you. I mean that was it, man. I mean we'd fish it all year, you know we'd fish all the different sides and stuff like that. But that's what I don't fully get on the flounder closures, you know, because you um, you you know you took it away from one group of anglers, and that's the rod and reel guys, right? Mm -hmm. Um, without you know having the other side, the gigging side the commercial side, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Really have what the, I mean, just, it seems like they didn't, they didn't lose anything on yeah. that one. So I think that's tough. Yeah. And, and I guess that Seawolf park area, the way, and if y'all listening, looking at the map, that, that big channel, I mean, the Houston ship channel comes in and just like the Mississippi Delta, you have the huge Mississippi river and it splits off into a bunch of sections. And of course that's a lot, more expansive outlet to the gulf but there's a lot of a lot of big water there where the flounder coming in and then moving offshore after the run so very interesting i mean that's i mean flounder is probably the fish that i least fish for um and it's usually bycatch it's not on purpose it's usually when I'm lazily dragging my lure across the bottom, which is odd because it's it's always like a nice bonus too, yeah. right? You oh, know, yeah. and everybody likes it. You know, same thing. You know, with my wife, she loves flounder, loves flounder. Yeah, we oh, you know, but I never fish for it. You know, it's odd, that's an odd thing to love. Yeah, not to put much effort into it. Yeah, just but, find um, a gold nugget every now and again. Hey, it's nice, man. Hey, and I tell you what, this when it, and when we used to do that, that was like pre gulp too. Yeah, you know, so you had to do it the hard way, right? You know, like shrimp. <laughs> Yeah, um, and uh, so since we're talking about we're talking about flounder closure, a little bit about regulations. One thing I found interesting and and did a little bit more reading up on the regulations in Louisiana are changing um, pretty rapidly here within the next year and within this year, actually within a couple of weeks for trout. Um, but I mean, when I went, when I was going to Louisiana for, to go to Venice and fish inshore, the stigma that I just had in my head from either what I've seen on social media or pictures of people, um, or even just stories of people going to Louisiana and just loading up coolers full of trout, um, the limit on trout currently is 12 inch minimum and you can keep 25 per angler, Right. Which is a bunch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, compared to what we're used to. And, I mean, a 12-inch trout. Like, I'm not going to keep a 12-inch trout. What is the (laughs) fillet you're going to get off of that thing? 
but I mean, that's what they've been used to. I mean, since the eighties, that's been their regulation. Yeah. Um, and so they're, uh, currently changing that as of November 20th to have a 13 to 20 inch slot and 15 per angler. And, um, they'll, they'll be allowed to keep two trout over 20 inches. And that's, uh, that's interesting. That's a, um, you know, that's one of those, I'm sure a lot of people are screaming slippery slope. You know what I mean? Well, honestly, and, um, the, some of the, some of the talks and I was asking the guides that we were with and around the Marina and stuff. I mean, it was a uh, talk of the town because November 20th is coming right up. Yeah. And so several of the guides were like, yeah, there's, you know, we're not really finding the trout. Um, and we got into some trout and they were a good size. I mean, they were right at about 20, maybe 19, 20 inches. Um, I was expecting if we were going to catch trout, they were going to be 12, 13 inches or something like that, you know, but, um, no, I mean, we found some, but most of the guys are like, yeah, we fish for redfish. We, we can't, you know, find trout on a consistent basis. You know, and doing this long enough too, it's, I think guides are the last people that should be making statements on limits. Yeah. You know, I mean, because it's, it's. There's just, there's no middle ground, and, and sure, anybody, you know, I like to think I'm reasonable, and I hope everybody probably thinks they're reasonable, but if you're a guide, you're either pro lower limits, mm-hmm. less work, easier to catch fish, right? Or you're pro higher limits, because that's more value, people are going to pay you more money yeah. to come and catch more fish to bring home, and we're in a weird middle ground, you know, just a lot of people not eating their their they're you know just not eating their food you know or eating what they catch mm-hmm. and um and yeah i i just i said slippery slope because of that two over 20 yeah because you know you know that's where there's that was like some type of bargaining chip guarantee and they're like oh no don't worry it's not you can't just keep one extra fish you can keep two extra fish. you know what i mean it's like that's that's gonna go down as soon as that fishery and maybe rightfully so right but as soon as that fishery gets feels like what happens you know that we've been doing it and they start seeing the bigger fish and they're like oh you know mm-hmm. we can go after trophy fish you know that'll go down to one i, I just feel like that that's a, a stepping stone yeah and i'm not sure how the i did a little reading on it but the basically they go into um it's a not a public comment but they it's a notice of NOI, a notice of, what is it here? I think I made a note. There's NOI. Maybe I didn't. Anyway, um, I can't remember. Anyway, so um, for the trout, uh, I'll, I'll remember here in a second. That That regulation is expected to sunset in 2028 right which is probably not gonna sunset it's it's gonna be when they renew it um but from what i saw um it seems like you know people are fine with it i think it's been a year coming the since the regulation was gonna be in effect so it just so happened that we're there the couple weeks before and everyone knows that they're like yeah okay we're gonna have a new trout regulation here and coming november 20th so um, I mean, it seems like the Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries is trying to push for 
for for better regulation. One of the numbers that I saw was um, some of the numbers they published was the state's speckled trout stock had fallen 57% below its mean level. So, I mean, I think the numbers I mean, probably and that's, supported. You know, and that's what it comes down to, right? And that's why you got to let the biologists do their jobs. Yeah. I've never really get, understood it that much, too, because it's like on one hand, they're like, you know what, we're going to, we're talking about these numbers that are like, 25s and fives and 10 you know yeah and then also on the other hand you're like our you know we've released 40 million hatch you know fingerlings into these you know into these um into this base system or you know or we've contributed fish that have laid you know 14 million eggs and so i've always kind of wondered it's like how how is that you know that that's some of the data that i i wish you know scientists could could explain to me and be like, how big of an impact does putting those hatchery fish into into you know into our base have? Because why have we never? We always talk about lowering limits. Why have we not just said let's double the hatchery fish? You know, mm-hmm. or also the more scary part is like, what are hatchery fish doing? <laughs> you yeah. know, like how are we swaying the genetics? You know, not having wild fish or you know whatever not. That's probably like a, that's probably like a meat eater level podcast conversation. But um, yeah. But you know, it's just it's something I think people can get so wrapped up in this stuff, but it's all connected. Yeah. You know. And I did remember NOI is notice of intent, so they issue a notice of intent to impose a different regulation, and then that goes for public comment, and then it has to be passed by the government. Uh, House and Senate, I guess. But all this is already passed. Yeah, that's yeah, our. It's, it's all, all that's already done. And so, what's different? Uh, looking at redfish, so they're they're looking to impose the same regulations on redfish. It hasn't seen quite the decline as trout, but they're starting to see a decline. <laughs> and um, which, right now, their limit is sixteen to twenty seven inches. It's odd seeing a 16-17-inch fish go in the box, you know, when we were fishing. But you have five per angler with one fish over 27, which means if you catch a 42-inch bull, you you could keep it out of the way. You would want to. But we caught a couple that were over 27, and they were like 20 and 29, and we kept them because they added to our five-fish limit. Um but I mean, just like here, you know, we're twenty to twenty-eight, and if you ha- if you kept one oversize, I don't know about you, but like I've only used my tag maybe once or twice, and it's for a, like a twenty-nine inch fish. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever used my tag, and, yeah. I, and I don't know if that's if that's saying I haven't kept a a uh, <laughs> an oversized fish, or you know, if things were just a little different back then. Uh-huh. But um, but you know the way I the way I get it now too. I think in the way that I've, it's been explained to me for so long, it, it, yeah, there's little desire to keep those bigger fish, and and I and I don't go get into that whole like you can't eat it, you can't eat it, you can't eat it. Yeah, you, you can, can eat anything. I mean, you know, and any size can be bad too. But um, but I'm pretty sure that a 28 inch redfish has probably never spawned. Yeah, you know, like like it's those bigger fish, you know. But but then again, that gets back into how many millions of redfish babies did we, we release? You mm-hmm. know, like how does you know? I, I don't know. I'd like to. I I think the bigger indicators that we're definitely missing is like the habitat, mm-hmm. is the pressure, 
you know what I mean? It, but but it, it, it just it comes down to, like, can these fish do what they're supposed to do? Are yeah. they doing what they're supposed to do, you know? And um, I don't know. Yeah. And we'll get into some of the, the details of how we were fishing and kind of what, what I saw while we were there. But, I mean, to me, it seemed like the redfish were there. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, we can go do how we could fish how we fish here and be pretty successful yeah um but i mean i think it's good it's a it's a sign of a good i think they're trying to get ahead of it on redfish i don't think they're in in the big time decline so they're proposing and so they've done and they're in the stage of issuing a notice of intent to impose a new regulation so they're not in the later stages but they're proposing currently 18 to 24 inches three fish per angler and no fish allowed over that slot. Man, that's a. I mean, yeah, that seems tight. Eighteen you know? to twenty-four inches. Like, yeah. Not being able to keep a twenty-five inch redfish. Right. Know? Yeah. I mean, uh, we had a boat with four anglers on it, and we got a redfish limit the second day. And if that was the slot, we would probably have a quarter of the fish that we kept. That's a tight slot, man. Yeah. Um, of course, if you, if you like, you know, if you brought that to Texas, you know, and you, the 18, you'd, you'd be, you'd limit out on 19 and a half inch redfish, like snap of the fingers. Right. Mm-hmm. But, um, but you know, once that, once that fishery settles, that's going to be a tight slot. Ugh. Yeah. So yeah. And, and likewise to the trout, the last time that they've ever made any, uh, meaningful change in regulation was 1988. So it's just was this your homework for like I did, the drive? I did you didn't, some homework for the ride. I was not driving, so I was riding. Nice. <laughs> um, and then and then one thing I just kind of stumbled over. Um, so Gulf Menhaden, or as they're called, and I don't know if they might be called that this here, but in Louisiana they call them pogies. They're basically like a croaker, but uh, there's like a shad, right? It's like a shad with a little dot yeah. on it. Yeah. And on the side, it's got a black dot, and it looks like a shad. And so we used that for bait uh, the first day. And I'll get into how the guide, you know, we caught bait and stuff before we went out. But they've also issued a notice of intent um, in October to create a minimum of one-mile coastwide buffer prohibiting commercial netting of Gulf man-hating or pogies um, and increasing spill fish spill penalties. Um, so when I read that, I was like, what's the problem here? And so commercial fishermen are netting pogies for industry purposes. I, they're not netting them for bait. I mean, what, is that like, is that like dog food or like yeah. fertilizer? Or right. So lipstick, I mean, what are we some, talking about? Some, yeah. I mean, they're, <laughs> they're catching them in, uh, you know, huge quantities and, um, and so apparently what the problem is, is currently they can they can run up and down the coast up to 500 yards away from the, from the coastline. And um, what I guess recently in September, they had what they call a fish spill. I guess their nets broke after they had a full catch. And then uh, when that happened, all those fish washed on shore. 
And of those fish, there was a whole crap load of redfish as bycatch in their nets, and they washed up on shore as well. And so the implications of them fishing for pogies or dragging nets um, is all their bycatch is catching coastal fish and ruining the habitats close to the coastline um, for redfish, trout, you know, what have you, right? <clears throat> so they're trying to increase that buffer zone. Um, and, uh, so we'll see what happens with that, but, um, yeah, one of the fun facts here, uh, nearly 1 billion pounds of pogies are harvested by the individual pogie fishery each year, mainly from Louisiana waters. Um, and today pogie boats have been allowed to fish, like I was saying, uh, closer than 500 yards from Louisiana shorelines. Um, which stirs up sediment with their massive seine nets and impacts both fragile coastal habitats and iconic sport fish populations. Yeah, you know what would be more fun? If you knew what they did with those pogies. That would be more fun. What, what are they used for? All right, what, we, um, where's our Jamie? Um, yeah, dude. So, uh, no, that's pretty cool, man. It's insightful. Yeah. So I thought it was cool because we used that for bait one day. But... Yeah, I don't. Maybe you can Google it. We'll. Uh, I'm trying. We'll see. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, that's that's kind of my regulation update. Uh, some of the things I wanted to get into. Um, next on the list, uh, I think we mentioned it last time, but uh, just keep an eye out for On the Fly magazine's next issue. Uh, Fish Camp Rockport. It's going to have a two-page article in there. You get to see a little bit about it. Um, what the on the fly guys uh, take was on it and get get your uh, either get your subscription or get an get your issue um, this is a coffee table style magazine that uh, that you guys can keep at at uh, beach house your your house wherever you want uh, we keep them at fish camp rockport so check them out they also have online subscriptions, so you can go check out the the previous issues on their website. But um, moving on to Matagorda, um, what's the latest? What's the, I mean, have you shot any deer yet? What's the wildlife update? Oh, dude, yeah, we got a lot to talk about for uh, Matagorda. It says, pokey, like, the main use of pogies is pharmaceuticals and fish oil capsules. So all those health nuts... All those health nuts and their fish oil capsules. That's it. You're you're destroying the Wait, Louisiana fishery. You're a health nut, but do you take fish oil? Oh, I'm pretty sure we do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, you couldn't believe. Man, would you catch your own fish oil? So can you know what? I did. Yeah, I'd probably get plenty of it. Don't get me wrong on that. Yeah, dude. Deer season opened up. Rifle season. You know, opening weekend of rifle season, and uh, had the kids out. Mm-hmm. And it, it was cool. It was. Um, it was, it was, um, it was their first like actual real deer hunt, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'd been waiting for a while because I wanted them to do it exactly like I did it. Yeah. And uh, and that was um, with the same gun that I used, same gun um, my dad used, right? And yeah. so then Catherine got to carry it. Um, so what's the gun? And that's a M1 carbine. And so that comes from my dad's dad in Korea. Oh. And uh, so, and we've never shot deer with this gun either. It's every, it's the... Your dad's never shot no, a deer with no, a gun? No, You've never shot a deer with this gun? No. 
and and it's you pass even, down the the tradition you of seen not the, shooting a yeah, deer. Have with you the seen gun. the little thirty caliber tiny? You know, it's the carbine, it's a lightweight carbine that the uh-huh. military use, and uh, it's got a peep sight on it. And yeah, but the kids never know that. They don't know they're not going to shoot a deer. Uh-huh. And uh, and uh, but yeah, so we went out there and just like I started hunting, we started on the ground. So we we brushed up um, a spot, and it was it was me. And, and, and uh both the kids and hannah mm-hmm. and uh and yeah no it was it was the mosquitoes were terrible and you know they they were real good and they were real excited to get out there yeah. you know and to wait and you know to get out there and hold and jack brought his bb gun so they were both you know they both were, were walk we walked out there mm-hmm. and uh and now it was pretty slow in the morning yeah i think we saw a coyote at like 400 yards or something nice and um and, and about you, 30 you don't minutes have a feeder out there or I just, I literally just, I mean, we're, we've been so busy on everything else. We hadn't been doing much. You know, I haven't seen a ton of deer, but I figured they'd all, I mean, the uh, acorns dropped and, um, and, you know, hunters started shooting them deer just sucked up tight into mm-hmm. their little hiding holes, you know, in the woods right now. Yeah. And, uh, they'll start moving for rut and they'll start moving when the temperature drops some more, but, but, um, but so yeah, you I hung, heard, I hung, you've heard hunters nearby shooting uh well where i'm at it's mostly duck hunters you know i don't i don't have other hunters really close to me yeah but um but on the river and then you can even go into the bay you can hear the duck i'm just saying as soon as those guns start cracking off man those deer know you know what i mean Mm -hmm. because we i'd see them every morning on the walk just every morning yeah and um but no we we did we hung a little feeder up real quick we got some corn in it and just dropping barely a little bit. I mean, the cows can still get to it, so I just drop a little bit right at yeah. right at dark. And and um, and we we did we had fun, man. But I tell you what, dude, we spent four days down there with them, mm-hmm. and they had a long weekend from school. Yeah. And man, we we deer hunted, deer hunted yeah. for like thirty minutes. Right. Rode dirt bikes. Yeah. Surfed. More than thirty minutes of that. Oh, dude. Oh, man. Like, an hour at a time, dude. And they just, they stop for fuel and take off. I can't even <laughs> keep up with them, dude. They're like, Jack walked up to me, and he's like, Dad, are you riding dirt bikes? And I said, yeah, I'm riding dirt bikes. I said, why aren't you on the track? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. Calling you out. And, um, but yeah, dude, now we had a blast, man. We did a lot of stuff. We, um, tell you what, dude, trout are coming up the river. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome, dude. We were so stoked for that. So did you uh, did you go back there during the day or? No, I do night. Yeah, yeah, we went out there with some generators and lights and. Oh, cool. And uh, that's one of the things that's super cool, really special about that place. And we're gonna work. We're gonna build it out. We're gonna get it a lot better. But yeah, I mean, everybody's catching fish, capturing. You know, Jack was casting it on his own. They're not super thick yet. It'll get better as it gets a little colder. Um, but I mean, you know, just just. Catching some pretty solid, I mean, we caught, you know, 18, 19-inch trout at night in the lights. Nice. And, uh, well, and... What were y'all throwing? Were you throwing bait or were you... Little swim baits, you know, a little yeah. shad-looking white and clear swim baits. And, um, they were just chunking them out and, um, and you let them sink, working real slow, and that seemed to be the ticket. Yeah. But, um, but you could, you could see, you know, it's getting a lot more action and... Like I said, it's just like everybody was hooked, you know? Yeah. That was something that I knew about, but I really hadn't shared it with them yet there. Mm-hmm. 
and us and Han and, and all the kids. I mean, they were just and 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 you talk about exhausted, man. That's like on day three or something. Yeah, we've been doing everything. Right, night and, fishing uh, always sounds like a great idea at like three p.m. And then when you actually have to wait through dinner, wait till like nine, ten o'clock, and you're like. All right, y'all ready to go night fishing? I mean, I'm sure the yeah. kids were excited this time, but that's always the oh, contemplation is like, oh. oh, I'm getting tired now. Oh, Jack was like curling up under the truck to get out of the dew. He was so tired. I think he's about to go to sleep on the ground, yeah. you know? And, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I, you know, growing up, we, you know, we cut our teeth on night fishing. Right. I mean, that's just what you did. Yeah. It's like when you were going to put fish in the freezer, like you wouldn't caught them at night, yeah. you know? But, um, I think when they, they just kind of seeing, you know what it is and what it's like and and they're fun man you know we did we yeah. did we did a lot of stuff dude so that that was awesome man we shot guns you know we had the 20 we had the old pumpkins from halloween out there and i got to you know take the kids and mm-hmm. you know just just doing all the stuff that i like to do and then i've been wanting to do with them so yeah is what's the is Catherine shooting a 22 yet or oh what's yeah the, what is uh, jack she i mean jack is too I, yeah. you know, I gotta hold it for him he can and you know, but yeah, I mean, she's on her own, and and um, and we played around with that for a while. And yeah, pretty good. That's cool. And so you were riding dirt bikes, uh, I guess, last week or the week before. You guys were having issues with Hannah's dirt bike. What'd you end up doing with that? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, oh, I fixed it. You fixed it. Oh, so it was pretty we, simple fix. But then. She's getting into it, you yeah. know. And she has an older dirt bike. Uh-huh. Everybody else has a newer, really nice dirt bike, <laughs> so it doesn't really jive that well. Yeah. Um. So yeah, she wanted a new one. So yeah, dude. We, so we actually just sold it. Nice. And um, and sold it to a kid, and I, dude, of course, like, and I just put I I got a I put a new battery and put a brand new OEM carburetor on it. Uh huh. And uh, got some of those other deals, and when they got there, the bike wouldn't start, dude. What? How'd you hate that? <laughs> Dude. And like, it's like his dad and he's got his two boys out there. And, they, you know, his boys are just excited. They would have bought it. They, you know, they just saw a dirt bike. They're like, they just want it. You know what I mean? Put it in the back of the truck. And I'm like, oh, dude, I feel so bad. And I'm like, all right. I was like, and I just start, you know, I just started talking, uh-huh. you know, just like from a fishing guide, you know, when things aren't going right, I just know how to keep talking. Yeah. So I'm just talking and talking and. And eventually, I'm like, you know what? I was like, let's just pull this apart real quick. Because they were asking questions like, how do you do this? And how do you do that? And I'm like, I'm just going to show you all everything. Yeah. I'm going to show you how to take the seat off. I'm going to show you how to take the plastics off. You know, I'm just working my whole way all the way to the carburetor. Right? Uh-huh. You know what I mean? <laughs> I pull the carburetor off. And I'm like, I'm going to show you all why this is a new carburetor. And I, I pull a new carburetor off. And take the bowl out and we look at it, dude. And I kid you not. It is just like one tiny little bee speck. Yeah, stuck on the needle on the you know the float that right. like pushes that needle up and down so uh-huh. that keep that has the needle stuck so there's no yeah gasket in the bowl yeah you know and and uh, so we cleaned it up put it back together and it was running great you know mm. and uh, and and I think I honestly think after that I hope so that the dad texted me and he said his kids were riding it all day and they loved it and he said thank you you know nice. it must and have I, just been a little bit of leftover residue in the fuel line or something like that yeah well the, the peacock valve was old and I actually told him that I said you need the fuel valve yeah. you know and I told him that I was like you need to replace that because like when the carburetors sit and get gummed up a lot of people don't realize those sit and get gummed up yeah and that's going to feed trash back in and um 
and 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 I think that that's what happened, you know. So I that was part of me talking and going. We pulled that apart, yeah. and it was still dirty, you know. And right. I should I should have done that from the first part. But um, but I I think I I hope I was able to teach him. I think the dad was was happy with that, you know uh, what I mean? So it worked out pretty good, man. So were were they from? Uh, yeah, dude, Mattable they drove or... in. No, they drove in from uh, Dripping Springs. Wow, it was a good bike, you know. After we. After we sold it, Hannah was like, "Man, you know, maybe should we have kept that bike?" And I'm like, "Now that it's running, I'm like, yeah, that was that was a good bike, you know? <laughs> I was like, that's a hard one to find, you yeah. know? It's it has the big tires, it has the disc brakes front and rear, you know? It ha- and it's a trail bike, you yeah. know? And and even the like the new trail, you know, it, it was a good bike. But anyhow, I I think I think it's gonna work out. Oh, she wants a new new bike. Well, you know, we already bought her a bike, we, so we sold that. And we went right around and bought her a brand new bicycle bike. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And so she should be pretty content for a while. With a bicycle? I hope so. she going to get to... No, she can't use it on the track. No, no. We're going to have to... We're going to build some more stuff. No, she got like a like a legit dirt jumper. Like uh-huh. one like I have and the kids had. And we, we took it out to the Houston bike park already to go right around the pump tracks. Nice. She loves it. And that's going to be good practice for her. So cool. I think, um, yeah, dude, that's going to be pretty tight. Nice. But anyhow, that's my huge tangent on dirt bikes. You can tell we're very dirt bike focused right now. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm. I feel like I'm falling behind because I need to get my dirt bike or get out there and and practice on y'all's dirt bike so that way I can get one. Hey man, that's I just come need on. Justify my way into come. getting one. Hey, I, I tell you, you know what else I'm really excited about that happened uh, today? Two inches of rain. Yeah. Oh, that's big time because we were waiting to see if that duck pond was going to get back to marshy status. Uh, yeah, dude, that's, uh, yeah, so I, I hadn't been out there yet, and uh, we're going we're gonna to check it out um, So, yeah, you hadn't seen it since no. it rained this weekend. No, 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 it rained today. It rained, well, it rained it, an inch it on Friday. It rained this weekend? It rained an inch on Friday, and then down there, and then it didn't rain anymore, and it, it didn't, I mean, that one inch was pretty much, you Shut know, up. yeah, but but you could tell that is laying any, the foundation yeah yeah exactly I, I think i'm excited i can't wait for this well i know that uh, i've been following the buck hook guys and they did a big renovation of their kind of duck field and the rain that they got down in south texas is starting to fill fill up their duck pond so i think we're hopefully we're getting into more rain and, and uh, water dude. holding i mean i hope because even because when we we're deer hunting so so when we we're deer hunting we i we would walk uh-huh. out there you know because i wanted to to teach the kids so we'd walk by those duck ponds and um and we did we jumped a bunch of birds there's like even the just in the like just nothing like in the little like bird baths amount of water that that yeah. was out there you know what i mean so i think that i think this rain is going to be it's going to fill up some of the lower spots of those ponds and yeah dude i'm super super excited about that yeah, so we're gonna get out and do some uh, duck hunting on the Untamed Ranch. Oh no, I'm a bird watcher. A bird watcher. <laughs> yeah, bird watch my gun in front of your face. <laughs> uh, we're gonna have to build a like a ground blind or something like that. I mean, we're, we have to figure something out. Nah, Maybe dude. We get see, some I, sticks. see, see, I don't I haven't spoiled my kids yet, right? And and uh, and I'm doing it on purpose. A lot of people ask me. I spoil them. I mean, on bikes, mm-hmm. dirt bikes, all the you know, we 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 do so much stuff, and that's fine because that's stuff that I wish I would have had when I was, you know, yeah. Because I mean, who knows, man? They 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 they've got a lot of potential yeah. more than me. But when it comes to this hunting stuff, no, dude, they're gonna sit their butts in the mud 
behind the reeds. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we're like we're gonna hunt on the ground, and then and then and then because then every time, then we get a blind and we brush it up a little bit better, and they're like, "Whoa, this is nice." I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, this is nice. <laughs> yeah, one little no, upgrade we'll get, at a time. We, I, get a little pallet to put down so that way you're not sitting in the mud. You can sit up yeah. on a bucket on a pallet, and then yeah, I, probably not that slow of iterations because <laughs> I mean, with all like, my plan is to get some some good blinds for yeah. next next year um, you know but yeah dude we'll get it figured out nice i like it and yeah maybe give me a reason to get you know obsessed with another hunting thing because i'd i've never i'd never have duck hunted growing up i've duck hunted maybe once or twice with you with some other buddies and stuff but i mean i don't have any decoys i don't have any of the duck hunting stuff i'm not i've not got the duck hunters attitude with my gun and just burying it in the mud and bringing it back out oh, and then smashing it against the trailer <laughs> to see if it still will fire. I mean, yeah, I like to still take care of my stuff, but maybe, yeah. maybe if I'm exposed to duck hunting, I'll get a dedicated I gun think, where I uh, like to just beat it I think it that down. was definitely an error. You know, I think when, uh, like when the Benellis were really like becoming like known for how robust they were, you know, yeah. and I think, I, I mean, I definitely remember like, you know, like oh, this gun. Like how do you had to use that. I had to use that as a paddle to get out of the marsh last week. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I don't, I don't think we're quite like that. But yeah, dude, I, I'm with you, man. I mean, I've got, I'm not that. I'm not a big duck hunter. Um, I've I've been back and forth more so here lately. But but when I was in, when I was growing up, dude, that's when that's what I liked the most, and that and that's what I wanted, to kind of teach my kids too is. I mean, we used to duck on doing nothing, dude. We would put a spread of decoys on our back and walk out into the marsh mm-hmm. and find a pothole, find a blade, go to, you know, wherever you're at and set up right then with a small spread and call them ducks in. Yeah. And and I love that, man. I love that. And I, I got, you know, I got into it more and, and I, and I, you know, it can be all consuming, right? And I'm not against that. I'm all consumed with a lot of stuff. But I, <laughs> just I, how many things can yeah. we be all consuming? Exactly, with? exactly. How many things? So, so that that's where that's. But yeah, dude, it's fun, man, and, and we'll get you set up. Right on, awesome. Um, well, uh, let's see. Next two things we'll touch on quickly. Untamed update. What's new with Untamed? What are we What are we doing next here? Yeah, dude. So we are uh finally or you know i think a lot of people have been asking for but we're starting to put the packages together for the fish camp in rockport yeah and uh, when i say packages i mean obviously lodging and fishing trip right yeah and so everything that i wanted to do when what i built it for is i built it like a like a like a place for me Mm -hmm. you know and i wanted it for a diy fisher you know like fishing adventure you know something you could go on and do it yourself and um and and I think this is kind of the next iteration, you know. And so we're putting together a package. It's like a per person. Yeah. I think it's gonna start out like five hundred bucks a person, or uh-huh. you know, probably two minimum, right? You know, thousand bucks. But you know, I think uh, it's gonna be a super economical way to still get out there, get a guided trip, have a, have a nice couple nights stay. It's not gonna be full lodge service, so I mean, you're gonna be responsible for your meals you know, um, yeah. stuff like that. But then, and then, but then we can kind of curate it 
to each person, which I look forward to as far as, you know, extra adventures and adding stuff on and, and options for, for a lot of stuff that you can do on the property, fishing, you know, get some kayaks out there and stuff that you can take from the property, like, you know, kayak rentals, you know, yeah. something that you could use there or you could take it and explore on your own. So that's some of the stuff that we're adding. Yeah. But I mean, that's, that's the nuts and bolts to it, dude. It's like, it's going to be straightforward, man. Like, Hey, you and a buddy, you and the wife, girlfriend, you know, boyfriend, you know, whatever, you know, two people, y'all want to go do this thousand bucks, right? Yeah. And that's a good deal, man. Yeah. That's, I like, mean, that's, that's the winter time special. That's not going to be the summertime price. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. Right. Well, that, I mean, talk, just talk about getting yourself set up with everything except for like, what do you want to eat or whatever it is? I mean, you can't beat it. I mean, and just, I mean, the fishing's great right now. Um, just come on down to Rockport and... Well, there's too many... Re- I mean, that's what's cool about Rock. There's too many restaurants. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you got... You know, it's it's not like you're going to a big... You know, like a ranch that's far away. Yeah, right. Or you're staying in a small, small little village where everything's closed or, you know, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, right, right. You've got... Like, you're coming down there for the coast. It's super easy. Like, you're going to have two nights. That's going to be one dinner at a restaurant, one lunch somewhere, and you're set. You yeah. know what I mean? Right. Oh, I like it. So, um, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I, and I'm looking forward to that, too. So, I'm, I'm going to be... Now, the packages are not going to be with me. Mm-hmm. I got to pay extra for that. No, I'm kidding. Actually, I'm probably going to run most of these packages. But um, I'm going to run them on the pull and skiff. So, it's going to be super sweet. So, yeah. So, um, so, yeah, dude. I mean, just hit us up. And uh, we got a bunch of guides we're working with, and uh, or it might be myself. Yeah, yeah. And if you're listening to this, and you're like, "Man, that sounds like a great idea," um, we're just gonna be uh, setting these up um, on a as needed basis. So reach out to us, send us a message, say, "Hey, I heard you guys talking about this on the podcast, and uh, I'm interested in doing a untamed package." So just reach out either on a, on social media or email. Yeah, dude, that's a good point. You're right. Message us. Message us. Shoot us a message. Because we'll, we'll get something on the website, too. But we, I wanted to trial it and try to figure out what's works, right. what works. Because I still want to keep it kind of DIY. You know, keep the cost down. Make it super accessible. Make it super cool. And uh, and so we're going to figure out what works. And, and then we'll get that listed. Yeah, awesome. Um, and if you're coming to Rockport next weekend... Um, upcoming happenings uh market days is coming back up in rockport november 17th through the 19th so if you love a good farmer's market and you want to come down to fish camp rockport they uh they have everything you need there well well, you you gotta you gotta is there more on the upcoming or is that all you got that's it for well you're missing the big one man what's that the whooping cranes are back yeah yeah oh i but didn't put it down yeah dude whooping cranes are back so you gotta you gotta come to rockport you gotta go look at the whooping cranes right yeah and um and I, you know i'll tell you too that like there's a lot more rules that i'm not i don't really know all the rules when it comes to like the bird watching stuff uh-huh. even though i'm an avid bird watcher there's bird watching rules. Yeah, because you can't approach those whooping cranes. Like you can't. Like there's a there's a distance, and uh, you, you can't. Like no matter what, you can't disturb them. I know yeah. that. But I can tell you this: the best way to see them is fishing. Because yeah. if you stumble upon them when you're pulling, mm-hmm. and you're super quiet, and you're pulling around the corner of a marsh, and all of a sudden you look around, and 
that's a whooping crane, mm-hmm. you know, and you quietly pull out of the way like you're supposed to, but but that little like encounter, dude, that's the best encounter you can have. So you can't like run up on them in an airboat. No, dude, and I know if you're taking photographers, you can't like just plant them right up next to them either. Yeah, like you, you got to be at a distance, right? You know yeah. what I mean. But in airboats, yeah, you know me with airboats. <laughs> um, but yeah, dude, it's like like that's that's what's cool, you know. So I mean, like if you're out fishing, yeah, doing what you're supposed to do away from the crowds, and you got to know where they're at too, right? Yeah. Which is, you know, I'll help you with that one. Mm-hmm. And um, so if you know where they're at and you're doing your thing the right way, it's a really cool experience. Yeah, I like it. I've seen a couple of whooping cranes and they're pretty awesome. So it's, they're worth checking out. They're neat birds, sure. man. I mean, they're cool birds. You know, like I don't think that they're like, like on the list of like evolutionary geniuses. Like I don't <laughs> think they went down the right path of evolution <laughs> they needed some help well you know it's they just kind of they just kind of shoebox themselves with not a whole lot of adaptability left but you know i th- I, I think the stuff that yeah you know, i don't i'm not trying to take away from their importance they're super important and they're really cool yeah awesome well um those are the happenings uh come check out rockport uh we'll just we'll just jump right into uh my trip to venice so you know Travis had the opportunity to join, couldn't make it happen, um, which he's been crying about for the past week. But uh, you know, it's just dude, too much stuff piled up at the end of the year, and that's what happened. But yeah, dude, tell us about it, man. I, I think it did not. It wouldn't. It didn't go down like y'all thought it would, right? Y'all, y'all did two days inshore, right? So, you know, <clears throat> if for those of you that haven't heard of or been to Venice before, it's famously coined as Tuna Town. I mean, that's like. People go to Venice to go catch yellowfin tuna. And the Mississippi Delta affords you the opportunity to be kind of closer to deep water than you are. I mean, you can go for tuna out of Corpus Christi, Port Aransas. I mean, people do it. Uh, people go out of South Padre Island. They'll go on, you know, two-day trips to go catch tuna. Um, yeah, I can tell you some miserable two-day trips yeah. to catch tuna. But, yeah, you know, keep going. Uh, but out of, out of Venice you got these people running 42 foot Freeman cats. And and that's like a majority of what everybody runs is these cat cat boats with four engines on the back or two engines on the back. And they're running out. They're leaving at six, six in the morning, six 30 in the morning. And they're back by four and they're coming back with 200 pound tuna. I mean, they've got a scale with a hoist on there with like a four pulley system that they, you know, pull up the tuna with a scale on it and they're measuring and so so what kept y'all from going out so the weather changed on us so we'd planned this trip about a month out and uh so my neighbor uh paul he had gone back in march and they did pretty good when march when they went they caught uh several yellowfin and uh, some decent sized ones and he was i mean he's just hooked they just love fishing for tuna he's been fishing his whole life Florida, um, you know, going down, they've taken boats down from Fort Lauderdale down to the Keys on a multi-day trip and just catching mahi and all sorts of stuff. And so they just love fishing offshore. And, um, I mean, he was, he was in the, uh, he was in the Navy. He had served on, uh, submarines and stuff like that. And I mean, he spent a lot of his life off, you know, in the ocean. And so, um, he planned this trip. Originally, we were going to do 
arrive Friday, fish inshore Saturday, fish offshore Sunday, and then come back Monday. So quick weekend trip. Uh, but then when we saw the weather changing, uh, we started coming up with a contingency plan. We still wanted to go inshore. So still what, like, good. just like seas were too big. Like, when was wind was pick, we had a front coming through. Mm-hmm. So the front was coming through, and it was sending you know north winds through you know Louisiana and Texas. It's kind of cooled down this weekend now, and um, and those winds. I mean Sunday looked all right for inshore i mean there was also there was no no more rain expected but all those winds and storms pushed into the gulf and where the tuna grounds are where they were you know catching tuna and those tuna chase pogey balls and 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 these guys go out every single day so they know where these fish are at i mean friday they were they brought in of like the nine boats that we saw come in around four o'clock there was two or three that had 200 plus pound tuna and then like uh just a variety of like anywhere from 80 pounds to 150 pounds uh just stacking them in the wheelbarrows and bringing them to the fish cleaning stations and it's just like totally crazy just watching this i've never seen this that's cool um and so you know they uh being there and knowing, I'd never been to Venice, so I mean, Venice is the epitome of a fishing town. Like that is what it is, and there's nothing else. And um, so you come down from <clears throat> New Orleans, and you take the one highway down all the way through Venice, and you're basically paralleling the Mississippi all the way down. And so once you get to Venice, I mean, you have. Uh, we stayed in a in a I guess I don't know. Not a house, but it's like an apartment-ish. Uh, they have houseboats in the marina that you can stay at. They have um, two, three-story apartments that you can stay at. I mean, whatever. I mean, we had um, we had a, a two-bedroom, kind of efficiency. We had four guys with us, so two-bedroom, six bunks, kitchen, a bathroom, you know, just the essentials. I mean, it is – you had – that town is the essentials. Like you have what you have and that's what you need. Um, but you have the marina, you have two boat ramps, you have um, the, in the marina, you have a restaurant on the second story. So basically you have it a big patio outside and the whole patio is just sitting there, you know, from three to five o'clock, people are sitting there, telling fish stories, everybody's getting together, what did they do inshore, what did they do offshore, and they're watching the the fish cleaning station as the offshore boats come in and just watching tuna being carted over to the to the fish cleaning station. And you sit in there, drink a beer or whatever, and you're just, you know, having a good time and watching all this. And um, they've got, a, like, a general store, and then they have a fish market. Um, and the fish market, you can... Some people give their fish to the guys and it's like basically a fish cleaning market. You can give your catch and I think it's like 50 cents a pound to clean your fish and bag it up. And they even will flash freeze and vacuum seal your fish. 50 cents a pound. Yeah. Seems expensive. Well, I mean, I think, (laughs) yeah, I'll talk about that too. Uh, But I mean, in Venice, like you're paying you're paying for your trip and you're paying to be there because those guys are getting those guys are getting a premium because 
they're, you know, you're in the fishing Mecca of Louisiana. And then just the people that are there have traveled to be there. I mean, there was, there was international people there. There's Louisianans, there's Texans, there's Mississippians, there's, I mean, all over the people just come to fish and, uh, they come and do what they do, what they came to do. And then they go back home. Um, that's cool, man. So you catch a 200 pound tuna, a hundred bucks, get it cleaned. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I mean, and the guy, that's only if you, that's if you want the fish market to do it. So the, all the tuna guys that I saw, I mean, cleaning tuna is pretty straightforward. It's pretty much four back straps. I mean, you're, you're quartering that tuna and then you're getting four quarters. And, uh, I mean, and then from there, people are either staking them up and putting them in gallon size bags, as big a steaks as you can put in a gallon size bag. And, or, um, or you just take that quarter and put it in a cooler and then take it back to where you're staying. And then, I mean, like our intention was to, we had a couple vacuum sealers with us and uh, our intention was to take the fish back, stake it up, put it in individual stake vacuum sealed bags and then have it ready, bring it back with us. And then, you yeah, know, everything that's all I've ever taken done. care it's of. Like you the, know? Yeah. Um, and so that was our intention, but uh, I think, you know, weather changed. We had a contingency plan. So like I said, we were going to fish inshore Saturday. We ended up fishing inshore Sunday. Um, and, um, so I think we'll just get into it here. So Friday, um, you know, we, like I was saying, we got into the Marina about, I don't know, four o'clock. So we got to watch those tuna come in on Friday, got dinner at the Marina. Um, I mean, the food there, was great i mean there's just literally one restaurant i think there's a couple handful of restaurants up the road but um i mean the marina is open till 10 uh they serve food the fish that they serve is either snapper or trout um and they they've got you know pretty much the basics you you get po' boys you get fish baskets you can have a burger if you want i mean i think they have a couple options for like so did, did y'all eat every meal there yeah, yeah. every everything nice. they offer nice yeah, yeah, cool. <laughs> um and, uh, and so I, I think what, uh, on the way down to Venice, so there's, uh, Shell's building a big refinery, probably 20 miles north of Venice. And it's just crazy to see the amount of people like day laborers, contractors. I mean, they've got like a two football field size parking lots where contractors are driving in. You know, we talk about dump trucks, like needing one dump truck to move some sand in Rockport. I mean, there I probably counted like 75 dump trucks just coming down the road, uh, moving load after load. And they built a huge concrete plant to build this refinery and stuff. I mean, it's an industrial area. Um, Southern Louisiana, I mean, they've got, you look one way, you see a plant with a flare. You look the other way. I mean, it's it's not just like, quaint fishing village by itself yeah, it's you're not, surrounded it's by just, industry. yeah it's not just um you know bayous as far as you can see it's, right a lot of people got to work yeah yeah right yeah um so seeing that um let's see so um we were talking about uh how valuable our fishing packages are right so these guides uh the way that they charge their trip is cost of trip plus bait, plus gas, plus tip. 
So you're there, you're breaking it out in four different, you know, you're paying inshore, you're paying a thousand bucks for your guide and you're paying, and that's like full day, quote unquote. I mean, we were back to the Marina at 12, 12 o'clock, two o'clock, whatever it was. I mean, like you're not fishing till sunset. Yeah. Um, and then, um, you know, whatever fuel you used, I mean, we're, and this is standard. Like, this isn't just the guide we use. This is standard there. So they give you the fuel ticket, and um, you go pay that. Um, so you're paying, like I said, that bait tip. I mean, you're paying a premium for being in Venice. And so the guides, uh, they do pretty good. And then offshore is obviously more than inshore. But um, so Saturday we met our guide, uh, 6.30. His name's Paul Miller. Um getting to know him a little bit. He's actually a host of a podcast called Tuna Town Talks. And um, he's been doing his podcast for a little over five years. Um, he interviews Venice guides. And his his structure is such that he interviews the guides, gets their background, kind of gets some cool stories, and then talks about conservation. Um, so got to meet him and talk to him a little bit. It, he He's kind of a cool dude. He'd He's got a 20, I forget what it is, 26, 28 foot boat and uh, center console. He goes offshore. He goes to the rigs and goes spear fishing. Um, his, he loves cane pole fishing. So he's got, he had two cane poles with him. And I think they're like 15 foot or 16 foot cane poles and string on the end, circle hook. And they go out to the rigs and he puts bait on them. They see jacks running. They see, you know, I think recently they just... They just <laughs> he hooks up to yeah. a jack on a 15-foot yeah. cane yeah. pole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or uh, I think they just got a huge triple tail. Um, and so, yeah, this is like, I was like, I looked at these cane poles and they're hanging up, you know, right next to all those reels. I was like, so what do you do with these cane poles? and uh no he's just messing with you no swear to god i looked at his as instagram you can go find him paul miller or tuna tuna town talks podcast and see videos of them they have cane pole tournaments seriously and not not joking <laughs> and uh i didn't know this and so this is i mean it's awesome i want to go that he i mean he described it as it's man versus fish i mean you got like 15 feet of line on the end of this 15 foot cane pole and you're just like manhandling whatever grabs onto your hook yeah i mean I, yeah just don't let the fish turn you know keep yeah. its head pointed to you well, or something. yeah good luck when it strikes and it just wants to just <laughs> like, lose it well 15 feet is gonna have to make a direction change yeah right <laughs> So, uh, but anyway, yeah. So if you want to check out, uh, he interviews guides around there and it's super cool. I started listening to some of his podcasts. So, um, uh, give him a listen if you, you're interested in some of the Venice guides. But, um, so on Saturday conditions were kind of like rainy and overcast, but you know, in short fishing. So I didn't know what to expect. Um, we, we left the dock at the Marina and then, uh, first thing, I mean, he dropped the trolling motor in the marine. I was like, uh, he didn't give us a rundown or anything. I just kind of like watching him. What's he doing? And he goes out the back and grabs a bait, uh, bait net and uh, starts casting um, his, you know, for bait. And um, so he gives it two or three casts, four casts. I mean, we had 200 pogies in the boat in the live well ready to use for bait. And so we're going to use live bait. Uh, we were using a rig that's kind of similar to what people use here for croaker. 
um, except for not the shake weight. Um, and I don't know if you haven't fished for croaker in Texas, um, braided line to a weight. Usually we use a shake weight. They just use a lead weight with two eyes on it. And then about, I don't know, 12, 18 inch leader on top of, on the bottom of that with, uh, they use a circle hook. He was using, a yeah, they're tying hook. the line to both sides of that weight, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so we were taking that, that pogey, which is just a, uh, kind of a, uh, shad and then take that circle hook and then hook it up through the front of the, the top of the mouth. And then that way the fish is swimming in the current. Yeah. yeah. Well, you are going up from the bottom of the mouth up through the top of his head, right? From inside of the mouth through the top of the head. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, um, that was, and, and what we were doing was we were pulling up on flats on the side of, uh, the Mississippi river or the offshoots and then, uh, power pulling down and then fishing up against the shoreline and every shoreline is covered with um, reeds or cattails or canes they call them canes i guess um and so i mean redfish trout whatever it is running up and down those shorelines and that's what we were doing we were casting live bait and um where we were most successful is there's a um there's a spillway call it i guess there's several spillways but one of the spillways we were at we posted up and I mean, the water, I mean, the Mississippi river is moving and we're one of these spillways. We're on the outside of the spillway and that water is just, there's a couple of, there's like pilings and the water's rushing through there. I mean, it's like if you fell out of the boat or the boat lost power, you're getting pushed against those pilings and you're not making it. <laughs> um, and it's a little gloomy. Yeah. Well, I mean, and there, you'd be pushed through there, but, I mean, if your boat lost power and you got shoved up against there, you're not pushing your way out of there. Yeah. Um, and so just to give you some perspective, and I didn't realize this until we ran around through that spillway, but that spillway is 100 feet deep. I mean, right. off the Mississippi River, there's a crevice that uh, runs that water. And so we were on the outside of there, and we were casting our bait up against where that current is and strong. But those bull reds, slot reds trout they were all hanging out right there in that current and uh you'd you'd cast your line out you'd work the current and then you'd get a hook set and then bring a fish to the boat and some of the big bull reds i mean for like 42 48 inches they'd take off and they just start running down river and oh, uh, yeah. you just got a man handling back to the boat it, and, and that was a spot like y'all caught all y'all's fish there yeah most of it yeah, yeah. cool yeah so that was uh that was pretty much Saturday. I mean, we uh, I think we finished off with six reds, um, thirteen trout, uh, caught several bulls, and uh, which was cool because one of the guys that was with us he'd never caught a keeper redfish, and and so I think he'd caught a little rat red before, but um, we were fishing with three other guys and the guide, um, and so. I th- that was cool, and then with that fish, we uh, I brought stuff to make ceviche. So we I had all the stuff ready to go at the at the house we were staying at, and nice. um, cut up a couple of a couple of trout and a couple of redfish, and made some ceviche for that that evening and uh, the next day for lunch. So that was awesome. Um, but yeah, that about that time is when we confirmed that tuna wasn't happening. Um, so that's when we we enacted our so y'all are planning plan. on inshore fishing the first day yeah and then offshore 
And were y'all doing that because y'all had already looked at the weather, or that was just what was no, decided? No, we, we wanted to go, and I wanted to fish inshore. And so some guys, when we were initially planning it, some guys were just going to come in on Saturday to fish on Sunday. Mm, and gotcha. we, we had a group. We were going to fish two boats offshore, and then um, some of the guys were flying in from Louisiana, or from Indiana, and, and when they saw the weather was dicey, they kind of held off and – and didn't end up coming in for double day inshore, but um, so. But they still came out for the second day or Sunday. No, they ended up oh, call, they calling canceled. it. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, so <clears throat> I guess jumping into Sunday, I mean, it's not. It wasn't the same experience because we had a different guide, and his tactic was shrimp under popping court. I mean, it was kind of the same tactic as far as pulling up on flats and casting on, on uh, you know, two to three feet of water. I don't know, one to three feet of water, which I thought was kind of strange because, I mean, you got a pop, I mean, just like anyone in Texas is used to a poppy cork, you got the popping cork and about 18 inches a liter, and then you got a hook on the bottom. And what was different was the hook that typically under a popping cork, what, do you, what kind of hook do you use? I just use a small little single hook. Okay, so you're different than me. I use a treble hook, and a lot of guys in South Texas use a treble hook. Oh, I, trust me, I grew up using treble hooks for yeah. a long, long time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but I guess with the current, and these guys are using quarter-ounce round lead-headed jig heads um, with just a regular you know, J-hook jig head. And so that's under the popping cork, and we're fishing with shrimp. And um, so... But yeah, it 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 was strange to me casting up on a one one foot deep flat with a popping oh, cork, sh- popping cork with a shrimp on the bottom. Yeah, yeah, and because it's sitting on the bottom. Well, yeah, and, and the weight too. It's not swimming. I mean, it can it can still get around and move. You know, right. a quarter ounce jig head. I mean, a shrimp can still move it. But yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, yeah I mean, it it was successful because we did really good. Yeah. doing that. But um, I guess notable things that were different was that. Um, Shrimp in Louisiana is sold by the count. Goodness. How much? <laughs> 47, uh, 47 cents per How shrimp. How many shrimp did y'all buy? 200. <laughs> <laughs> Who counted them? Well, <laughs> I didn't count them. They were on the boat already. And when he said, uh, we were about, I don't know, halfway. I think this to is th- another thing that they got you well, on. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> We're halfway to three quarters of the way through the bait, and the guide goes, "Ain't no way we've just about gone through two hundred shrimp." I go, "That's pretty specific. Why two hundred? And and he goes, "Well, that's how much I I bought two hundred shrimp." I go, "How do you know two hundred what? Two hundred what? Why do you know this?" And uh, he goes, "Well, you you buy them by the shrimp," and uh, so I was like, "This is new information for me." <laughs> In Texas, we buy them by the pint, by the quart, you know, and uh, and so yeah, that's when he said that, and so he thought that the guys at the bait shop maybe gypped him. There's no way they're counting shrimp; they're just eyeballing it. But yeah, how many shrimp are in a quart? I guess we'll have to count that know. next time. Yeah, we'll have to see what the price comparison is. But yeah, I was telling him about the price of croaker, and uh, yeah, so <clears throat> I mean, you might as well price those individually, right? Oh, they are right. I mean, it's like uh, I mean, normally buy them by the dozen, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but um, 
But yeah, some of the some of the cool things that happened on that trip. I mean, it got windier on Sunday, big time windier. I was glad I was not offshore. What boat were you on? We were in a twenty four or twenty six foot Laken Bay uh, center console fishing boat. And um, I mean, that's mostly what people run there. They're center console bay boats that are kind of like, you know, Lake and Bays or um, Blue, uh, what is it? Blue Waves. Blue Waves, yeah. yeah. And um, so, I mean, it's it's ideal for what they do there. Uh, they're not getting back in the skinny pulling marsh areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're pulling up on flats, pulling the pull, uh, power poles down and and fishing live bait but um i saw quite a few pulling skiffs out there Did you? Uh, yeah there was some i mean on the windier days not really but there's there's a lot of areas back there that we didn't get into that i think we could take either your shallow sport or we could take the pulling skiff and we could get back into some really let's go skinny marsh areas and and do that kind of thing but um so what'd y'all end up with that day uh we caught uh, a limit of reds with four men, so we had twenty reds, and we were catching better slot fish than we. Most of what we caught on Saturday was oversized, mm-hmm. and um, that's why we ended up with six reds on Saturday. But we had twenty reds on Sunday, six sheephead, which that amazed me too. Those sheephead we were catching, we were casting those popping corks into the canes, not into, but like right on the edge of the canes, and those the sheephead would come up and they'd. I've only ever known a sheephead to eat like a little treble hook with a piece of shrimp on it. Sure, okay. And they were they were hitting those yeah. full size jig heads. Cool. Um, so six sheephead, three black drum, and three specks, uh, and one white trout or I guess sand trout, um, which the trout were a good size too. I mean, um, but uh, but yeah, I had one when we were on one flat. Uh, Popping cork was in there and just bull red annihilated it. And it was one foot of water and it probably 75 to 100 yards to the bank and just cruising all the way to the bank, just nonstop, just... And you just see this huge weight going through the flat. I mean, this there's a, there, there'll be pictures on, on our Instagram, but... Um, That's cool. We're, we're, and what were y'all fishing with, like 6,500 spin rods or... 4,000. Four, oh, okay. Yeah, pen... So, uh, pen. so still pretty light tackle. Yeah. So. Okay, oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, nothing nothing real heavy by any means. Um, I mean, typical rod you would use to cast a popping cork, but... Um, yeah, that was super fun. One of the, one of the guys, when he hooked up to Bull Red, he was... I guess he was watching me, but I was keeping my finger when we were fishing with the pogies, keeping my finger on the line to feel the bumps. I mean, we were fishing circle hooks, so you get hooked up, you get hooked up. But um, he did that, and then one of those bulls grabbed a hold of his, and he kept his finger on the line, and it freaking got a little, got yeah. a little line burn. Yeah. Oh, it went through. He uh, went through the line skin. cut. Yeah. <laughs> right. um, but. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, so no, we finished the day off on Sunday, super windy, but we, we came back with a meat haul for sure. And, uh, we ended up using the fish market that, because the guide was like, yeah, I don't have time and I, I'll be here till, till dark cleaning those fish. And so we'll just give them to the meat market and they'll fillet them for you. And sure enough, I mean, we gave them on totes. They give us a ticket, um, they fillet them all. They have them all bagged in gallon-sized bags with the name of the fish, whether it's red, sheep's, yeah. whatever. 
and uh, they put them in a sack, and they got your ticket on them. And when you go pick them up, that they, they have them in the cooler, and they give them to you, and they're you know ready to go. Frozen or just cold? No, they're just cold. Yeah, yeah, right on. So we took them and we vacuum sealed them and everything, but um, but yeah. So that I mean, I think overall, I think obviously the turning point was Saturday. We knew that offshore wasn't going to happen, right? So uh, being prepared was nice because we had a contingency plan. We weren't just sitting there on Saturday going or on Sunday going, well, we don't have anything to do now. Let's just go home. Well, yeah, and y'all caught more fish too. Right. So yeah, cool. so it was cool. Good. I want to go back there. I want to go back with our boat and you going to DIY it next time. Oh yeah, yeah right. Oh, it's de- definitely do it. But that, dude, I tell you, if, <coughs> if that Mississippi River looked the way that it did on Saturday and Sunday in my boat, we'd be struggling, <laughs> dude. I tell you, and it's like crossing a bay has no. Uh, I mean. Those huge ships going through there. I mean, those wakes are like three foot. Well, tall. man, you know, for, I mean, first off, we know the shallow sport's good. Yeah. Um, but you know, the Poland skiff, it's I think it's like in the like in the description it says it's a go anywhere boat. So yeah. it can go anywhere. <laughs> well, it can. We'll just stay out of the way of those huge ships. <laughs> but yeah, we crossed some wakes that I was like, uh, we'd swamp my boat right now. <laughs> That's cool, man. But well, uh, right on. So what's next? Yeah, so this coming week we're a little do, different, doing, right? Yeah, we're doing a little something. We're also exceeding the boundaries of Texas. Uh, yeah, we're gonna have to change the name of the podcast. <laughs> Just be untamed out exploring. Yeah, <laughs> which would be fine with me, maybe. man. Uh, yeah, we're gonna go. We're gonna take the families to Broken Bow, Oklahoma. It's like a what? What do they call it? Like you know, kids these days, like a, a friend's Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. Like yep. a friend's giving or That's something. Right. You know? yeah. So yeah, dude, we got without the turkey, but add the steak. Dude, wait, what we're not doing a turkey? No. What? Uh-uh. I don't know. If I'm you doing this. a turkey? Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, you can we'll... bring a turkey if you want to bring a turkey. Ah, Jesus. I thought you were gonna bring a turkey. All right, I'll have a ribeye. All right. I'm fine with whatever. <laughs> yeah, dude. So anyhow, yeah, we're going to, to Broken Bow. So we've got a um what do we got? We got like an Airbnb, right? Yeah. Uh three families. And, uh, and we're still going to figure out to do, like, some fishing. Yeah. Right. And what, originally we were going to take campers down there, but that didn't quite work out? Yeah, dude. I am, I am like, anti-camper. And I'm not anti-camper because I don't like campers. I'm just anti-camper because I'm living in a camper right now. <laughs> and so I'm not about to go on a vacation, you know, in my camper. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, no, I was super stoked. I was super happy that uh, that y'all, everybody kind of agreed to get the camp. Because it it's a camper group we got, you know. Yeah. We're all campers. Right. We're all camper men. Uh-huh. Camper families. Yeah. Camper men and women. Asked me that two years ago. I'd be like, <laughs> no. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, dude, so so we, we, uh, we're we going to get that cabin. And, uh, and yeah, dude, I think it's, uh, we got a lot of stuff planned already. Yeah, the cabin's going to be awesome. I mean, I mean, it's not a fishing trip. Yeah. You know, it's a family trip. We're going to make it a fishing trip. Yeah. And we'll get a little bit of fishing in. Well, well yeah, dude, we're gonna, I'll bring the fly rods. You know, I got a five weight. Yeah. And I think we can get it done. I've got think, a little rod, too. A little rod and reel. So. I know. It's a brand a little <laughs> tiny stuff. It's a little tiny fish. You know. And, um, but, um, but yeah, dude, I think, I think if, yeah, I think it's, it's, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I know the family's happy. They're going to be super happy to get up there, but. Yeah. I mean, we've never been there, right? So, um, and I've been kind of playing the passenger princess, uh, 
side of the trip because I I think you and Hannah have kind Dude, of Dude, no, this is out of my realm too. Like yeah. Hannah's put this together, which yeah. I've been so appreciative because yeah. yeah, there's an itinerary, man. It's like like mining gemstones or something. Yeah. Like, is it gemstones or gold panning or what? Something dig. I don't know, man. But we're it, gonna show up at like, the mine and do it's what a they specific, say. Specific. It's not like you know. If you go to like Dinosaur Valley State, you know we do all the state park stuff. Yeah. But it's, you know, and you'll see like, oh, the kids can mine. You know, and it's like a sand just box go digging the with dirt. stuff. You know, but this, I don't. Maybe this is just a bigger sand. Who knows? But it looks pretty legitimate. So yeah, it's like mining one day, horseback riding, hiking the next day. I think we're going to do like a buggy type fishing adventure, you know, ATVs, off-roading, fishing. Yeah. Thanksgiving, which I think will also be another great candidate for fishing. Right. And um and yeah, dude, and then I think then then we're out, right? Right. Um Yeah, so um I think Hannah mentioned there's maybe a guide opportunity um, but I was talking to some the of the day my, before. Yeah, I think she's yeah. getting it lined out. Yeah, so I was talking to some of my buddies and um I mean I think that would be good just because we don't we haven't spent the time and don't have the intel. But I was talking to some buddies that have been there before and there's a couple of spots that that he sent me for us to check out, but he definitely said um in the state park, which was my first thought, was go to the state park and hit the river from there. Um, on holiday weekends, uh, it's very high possibility that it's going to be super crowded. But is that summertime or is that winter? Time? No, that's like any time there's really? people enjoying the state park on a oh, holiday. Yeah, yeah they're going to go check out the I mean, river and go fish. Not surprising. Uh, and so you can follow that river down south and get out of the park, and there's opportunities to like kind of hike in towards the river. Um, you can park on the side of the road and like maybe have pretty short access to the river and just hit different sections. Um, so we may be able to do that if the guide cool. thing doesn't work out. But and and spin rods with worms? No. <laughs> uh, I think so. He so said some words that I'm familiar with, but I'm not intimately familiar with. So if we're using the fly fly rod, you can use a shrimp imitation. No crab pattern. <laughs> I mean, redfish crack. I'm. Uh, this is it. That's right. all. That's no. all I know. So, uh, uh, what did he say? Floater? No. Um, so a dry fly on top, and then a trailing nymph, right? <laughs> so, I've heard those words. Yeah. I can imagine what that means. It just means a, a sinking fly underneath a dry fly that is like maybe I don't know on a leader that's. We're gonna have to talk to the fly shop. Well, see, there's I mean, a fly and, shop in the state park, apparently. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, and and you know, I tell a lot of people that too. I'm like a lot of people ask me, like, what do I need to do? I'm like, you need to go to the local fly shop, right? You know, and that's when I send them to Fly Trap. Shout uh-huh. out, right? Yeah. Um, Bayou City, if you're in Houston, you know. Yeah. Um, Galveston Island, Galveston's got one now too, right? You yeah. know, and I, that's why I tell people, I'm like, dude, like, go talk you, to the like, people. Go to the people that know what they're doing. You know, they're like the. Well, they're going to sell me some stuff. Well, yeah, I think you want to buy some stuff if you don't have it. Right. And, uh, yeah, dude, hit up the fly shop, man. Yeah, for sure. So we'll hit up the fly shop. We'll get the dry flies. I might buy a five-weight. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, and we'll get get all the intel we need. But, yeah, I think, um, I mean, definitely we need to bring the waders because this, this water is not warm. And the weather is not going to be warm. 
I gotta make sure I don't leave those in the boat. Oh God, you're that's actually giving me a little bit of stress right now. <laughs> are you gonna have? Or are you planning to go to Matagorda before we leave? Oh this yeah, weekend? for sure. I'm fishing. <laughs> yeah, I'm fishing. But I can just tell you, I that when like when I thought about that, I'm like, I'm not gonna remember to not put those in the boat. Like I have a routine. Yeah. I clean them off, dry them up, I hang them right by the boat. <laughs> right. Grab those. You're gonna need them, and you're gonna need some underlayers, I think, too. Yeah. Because the I think. We're looking at kind of like highs in the 50s, lows in the 30s. So that water is not warm either. It's coming from, I guess, uh, it's cold coming from up north. So Hey, man, you know, I you know, I, I was a freshwater river fly fisherman at one point in time. Mm-hmm. I was like five. Yeah. And uh, on a family vacation. And I remember still to this day, there's some dudes up there. It's like, it was in Colorado. And they were doing it. In shorts. No. You know, I'm just saying. Not happening. <laughs> <laughs> no, full waders. Uh, I think, so one of the spots uh, Buddy was telling me about, you got to get about waist deep to get a cast over to where they were seeing the fit. I mean, and this was two years ago, so who knows? Everything's probably changed. But And apparently uh, some other intel was that for about four years ago, they had a big flood that came through and, I guess on rivers they do habitat restoration and that they like try to form ponds and pools that these fish congregate in and they also stock some sections of the river. Um, so that flood apparently washed a lot of it out and it's all, I mean, that river's rock bottom. Yeah, so but what's the limit and how many fingerlings do they stock a year? We got to correlate this. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not sure. I mean, I think, I think we give it a good solid try and see, make sure we don't go in under over our waders and, uh, you know, get drugged down river or something. I mean, I think this river is not insignificant. I think it's a... Oh, it's, yeah, no, we won't play around, man. I, yeah. I, but, you know, also, too, like, we're from the coast, so we're superior watermen. That's true. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but uh, no, some probably, like, whitewater guide is, like, God, like screaming at me right after now. this we'll we'll have all the correct terminology we'll know what the proper nymphs are that we're using <laughs> and all the dry flies all the little toy stuff all the cute little toy stuff no i'm kidding man i'm so stoked you know and what's cool is hannah's put this trip together and it's family and yeah. you know, our families they're my kids like they're down they, we do all this stuff um but hannah's down with fishing you know she she right. wants to go and so like i know we're gonna fit it in and um and and i i can i can bet you that you know we'll probably see some extra openings or you know be like you know what since we're over here at this mining thing the river's just right there let's right. go look at it oh, i think that's just what it is i mean it's like if you can get away and you you see a section of the river nobody's on it you got 30 minutes to burn go down and give a couple of fly casts but so what's the budget? I mean, like, you know, we normally talk about gear, what we're bringing, what we're doing, but it's like, how much money are we bringing? Like, are we doing it? Because I don't want to go get out, out fly shopped, you know, when I get there. Like, what do I, do I need to, what am I getting prepared for? What do you think? Well, you already have a rod and reel, right? Yeah. So you're just looking at maybe flies. Um, but is it that great of a rod and reel? And it is kind of a lonely one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. We're going to have to find out. <laughs> I'm not, I don't know. I'm not trying to buy a lightweight rod and reel, but I can be talked into it, I think. You'd look goofy with the eight weight. I'm just saying. Well, I've got that one, <laughs> whatever it is, three weight or, yeah, I don't know. We can make something happen with what we've got, but. I, I mean, because, dude, I'll tell you what, man. I mean, 
I mean, I've got, I don't know, five weight. Maybe the guide is the right move, especially if he has gear. Yeah, no, and maybe we should get the guide as early as possible too, right, so we can learn something. But, But, I mean, I can tell you, like, I mean, I've got everything you need, eight weight and up. Right, yeah. Uh, pretty slim pickings. I mean, dude, my five weights like it's for ditch. It's like for Houston ditches. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, right. I don't know, man. We'll get it figured out. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm sure we don't have the right fly line on. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, I think we'll get some good intel. We'll try it out, and then yeah, we'll tell y'all if you. We'll we'll tell you everything you need to know on the next episode about broken bow fishing. <laughs> Or what we didn't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or or the lessons learned, yeah. so you don't have to learn the lessons. Yeah, that's right on, man. Cool. So that's it. Uh, let's see. Check us out on Instagram at Untamed Out and Facebook. If you want to see us go on a particular adventure or have a question, you can drop us a DM on social media. Reach out to us via email, info at untamedout.com. Real simple. Um, but, yeah, that's it. I'm ready. I'm going to start packing. We're getting out of here. Dude, we're Thanks headed out. Me.